For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believing Saints, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Kate Kistner, an editor at Canal Street Chronicles. And I'm Maddie Hudak, also an editor over at Canal Street Chronicles. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's former New Orleans Saints cornerback Delvin Bro here, New Orleans native. I just want to say thank you. Bro Show, out. Welcome to the Believe in Saints podcast. This is our first episode, and it's a rough one. So the Saints dropped one to the now 4-8-1 Eagles, and the Saints are now sitting at 10-3, and the second seed in the NFC. So it's a tough one to start with, but I think we want to start with some quick reactions real quick. So, Maggie, give me uh, 30 to 45 seconds, your quick reactions. What does this loss mean, and what's going to happen going forward? So uh, this loss, unfortunately, means that this is our uh, fourth season in a row where we've kind of gone on a hot streak to then kind of have one of these implosions. Uh, this season was just kind of against a, you know, surprisingly less formidable opponent. I know everyone kind of wants to blame Taysom Hill for this one, uh, and we'll get into that shortly. Uh, but I think this was a game that was lost on both lines, uh, the five sacks and then the zero sacks against a team uh, with an offensive line on its 11th rotation and a backup rookie quarterback and no ability to contain on the edges, uh, just kind of an MIA pass rush all game. And it really it comes down to those six points that were lost off the board uh, for Will Lutz to me. Fair enough. Delvin, what are your quick reactions on the game? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say the same thing. I would, I would agree with Maddie. Um, as far as the containment outside, I was thinking – Maybe we should uh, force Jalen left and, and contain right. You know, maybe we can keep him in a pocket, right, and make him um, throw from the pocket, uh, which which we've seen that he's, you know, he's, he's doing pretty well, man. So uh, he's just a, a difference maker. And our, our offensive line, you know, we're going to talk about the offensive line and how, you know, they we had quite a bit of struggle with, with the guys up front. Um, and, uh, and, and Taysom, you know, we're going to talk about the, the, the key uh, fumbles, um, you know, and, and how those takeaways really can affect the team down the stretch and head to the playoffs. And, yeah, we're also going to talk about the back end, you know, and, and, and key plays that they gave up and, and things that we can do to help eliminate those big plays. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you. And kind of like what you said, Maggie, I was kind of analyzing the same thing. I think a lot of people want to put this on Taysom Hill, and I think that's just the nature of the position that he plays. But that being said, I think that the number one ranked defense in the NFL couldn't contain uh, a running quarterback. Uh, they had some issues with that. It seems like they weren't really necessarily prepared for what was going to happen. Uh, and then on top of that, kind of like you said, one of these kind of later season implosions. But at the same time, I might take the silver lining on that and say after nine straight wins, 
you kind of forget what it feels like to lose maybe. Uh, and a loss is never good, but this kind of helps put things in perspective before it's too late. Because I think the last couple seasons, this team has had some heartbreaking losses in the playoffs, and maybe we get that out of the way this time. It was at least comforting that there was no like Minnesota miracle at the end of this game, and we didn't lose <laughs> because we gave up a really big play in the secondary. That was honestly my silver lining. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we've, we've mentioned a couple times already. Taysom Hill, right? Three and one as a starter. So, Maggie, what do you think about Taysom Hill? Do you really think that he's the future of the position? Do you think that he is the heir apparent of Drew Brees? I don't know if I can say at this point. I think I've been higher on Taysom Hill than most just because I've tried to kind of trust in Sean Payton and, you know, what we haven't been able to see behind the scenes. Uh, I think that we can't really say either way at this point. But in terms of this season, I feel like we're kind of conflating this evaluation of Taysom Hill in the post-Breeze era with what he should be expected to do as a backup quarterback for Drew Brees this season. And to throw, you know, nearly 300 yards, throw 38 passes, two touchdowns in a game, I don't know what more we can really ask from a backup quarterback. I think that our team should kind of be like rallying him around him at this point. I know that evaluating him, you know, past this season is important and everything, but I just think that, you know, we're kind of expecting more out of him than a normal backup quarterback. Uh, and, and maybe that's the same thing on the Saints. Uh, it was kind of surprising that we only ran the ball 20 times this game. And I think that we are trying to put a lot of this on Hill. Uh, I, I don't think this game, you know, really showed either way it's kind of unfortunate that he hasn't gotten to play a legitimate defense at this point. But again, it's not really something I want to test this season. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that Taysom Hill is maybe not getting a fair shake. Maybe like Teddy Bridgewater did. Maybe like even if Jameis Winston would have started because Taysom started his career on special teams and he was known as the special teams guy that just so happened to be the third string quarterback. And then all of a sudden, he started running the ball. And then he started lining up at tie gang and wide receiver. And now all of a sudden, he's 3-1 and one as the same starting quarterback. So I think he gets a little bit more scrutiny than others would. What do you think, Delvin? Like, do, where do you think that Taysom, uh, Taysom Hill's value like, truly lies? Is it as a quarterback or is it more as a utility guy, right? He can play multiple positions, but maybe not having to be playing as that true prototype at quarterback. Yeah, um, we, we, we can use Taysom anywhere. Um, but if we want to use him and, 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 and uh, rely on him to be our future quarterback, we need him to, to get more snaps. We need him to play uh, more games, get more experience, you know, underneath the center. You know, it's just because if, if that's what, if that's what we want to do post Drew Brees career, I mean, we, we really need to see more now. We need to see different gadgets. We need to see different, you know, ways, different packages we can use Taysom. Uh, maybe even, we, even if we use Jameis, you know, still incorporate Taysom in the offense, right? You know, he can play fullback, tight end. He can line up at the receiver. He can line up at the slot. So we still, and we can put him at, at the quarterback if we need to. So we still can utilize him in, in, in multi, multiple ways. And uh, you having Sean Payton there with, with the creative mindset, uh, I, I think it's going to be awesome. I have a question for you guys. You know, we're kind of getting a look at Taysom Hill. That's only really because, you know, Drew Brees went down and that's not really something, you know, we could have banked on either way. Uh, so do you guys feel like this 
is it four game? Yeah, four game stretch now has hurt Taysom Hill's stock or made it go up in terms of possibly serving as the quarterback of the future? Honestly, I would kind of give it, I think he's a mixed bag. I think he played really well against the Falcons and he had, you know, he was throwing well, uh, especially that first game against the Falcons. But then you look against you know, when he played the Broncos in Denver and he had what, like 79 passing yards or something yeah, like but- that. And I know it was the game plan. I, I know that's what Sean Payton said. I know that's what Taysom Hill said. You know, so maybe you throw that one out. So then you kind of say, okay, well, he's played legitimately played against the Falcons twice and the Eagles. I don't know. I think he's played well enough. I think he's proven that he's serviceable, but I don't think that he's ever going to reach the level of play that Saints fans have become accustomed to over the course of the last 15 seasons. Well, we got to, hey, we got to wait and see. Um, like I, 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 I like Taysom, man. I, I, I like his game. Like I said, he's just had that dog mentality. Um, you know, I, I used to sit next to him in the in the meeting room, man. Uh, you know, it's crazy because, you know, the notes Drew Brees had, Taysom had the exact same notes on his note uh, on his notebook. So uh, I'm I'm a big fan in Taysom. Like I say, we just need to see more 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 time underneath the gun. He's very smart. Like I said, he just has to make those decisions in the key time moments, right? Um, so, but I, I think he's going to do well, man. We just have to give him, you know, give him time. And uh, I, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I love the guy and I do like his mentality. Everything that I've heard about him, everything that you're saying right now, I think is consistent with everything that we're hearing. And that's the type of guy that you want in that position as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, someone that can, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, but I said it last night too on Twitter. I was like, okay, if Taysom really wants to be the guy, He's going to have to come out and prove it in the second half that he can lead the team back down by 17. Morale is low. And you know what? I think he did a really good job at it. We left some points on the board with special teams. The defense wasn't necessarily playing up to the level that they've been playing since the second Tampa Bay game. And he did a phenomenal job. And so I think, if anything, that, that helped increase his, uh, his value, Maddie. Yeah, I think the the end game where he w- he went like four plays and scored a touchdown almost outright. Where at that point, you know, the the game. Uh, no, I don't really think any of us actually expected it to come down to an onside kick by the end. Uh, and I've just seen a lot of criticism that he's only played like bad teams thus far. But if you look at all of the teams that we've played this season, we haven't beat another team with a winning record besides the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, there's definitely teams of different calibers within, you know, the teams of a losing record. But I feel like, I I don't know, I just feel like the scrutiny on him is extra large. And, you know, everyone keeps saying that the Falcons are a bad team. That's fine. They always manage to give us some trouble, including last year when they beat us and the 49ers. So I just feel like, you know, it's always going to be something that, like you said, he's just such a polarizing person. And... I, like you said, I think that we're so accustomed to Drew Brees and the specific type of play that anything less than that is, is going to be a drop-off. I just am, I guess, surprised at the amount of people, especially after last game, that are you know calling for Jameis Winston to start against the Chiefs. You know, I know that he can sling it a lot more, but you know, as angry as Saints fans are getting with all of these fumbles, I just can't see everyone being okay you know, with potentially three turnovers in the air with Winston. Yeah. So you mentioned Drew, you mentioned the Chiefs. You know, I've been wondering 
all week, you know, all last week. Drew didn't come off the IR. He was eligible to. He didn't. That was expected. So now, is he going to come off the IR this week? If so, in what capacity is he going to practice? And let's say he's 90%. Do you run him out there against the Chiefs? Do you say, okay, hey, this is now, we lost against the Eagles. The Chiefs is now a must-win game because we want to chase that number one seed of the NFC. So is Drew offer you that best chance, even if he's not 100%? Devlin, what would you maybe do in that situation? Uh, no. It, this solely would have to be on the player. You know, like I said, man, we, we, we're the ones who are out there playing. We're the ones who, who feel those injuries and those pains and those sharp nuances that comes with injuries. So it's definitely going to be on a player. But me as a coach, I would I would most definitely, you know, have a second opinion, you know, you know, as far as looking at how severe are those injuries are at this point. And do we really need him right now? Yes, we want to, we're chasing after the seed, the number one seed, but is it is it are we ready to risk this now or or will we rather risk it, you know, down in the playoffs? And I I would say I would rather wait, you know, let let Drew get a hundred percent, hundred ten percent healthy um, before we we get out there. And I think that's that's a good argument, especially because you know a lot of people have said they're not sure if we're going to win this game anyways. So if we might lose it with Drew, then you know might not do it at all. My only thing is that this is likely a potential Super Bowl preview, and it might be worth it to see if our best game plan holds up to theirs. Otherwise, you know. The only other side of that that could be a potential, you know, upside is if we do end up facing them later down in the championship that they don't really know, you know, how, how Breeze plays back there. Um, I think that if Drew can go 90%, he's absolutely going to go in. I do have concerns about our O-line giving up five sacks in the last game uh, because, you know, Drew just can't take that type of hit just yet. Yeah, totally agree. I was going to say, and you mentioned it, you know, if Drew doesn't play and this ends up being a Super Bowl, you know, matchup that we're seeing, well, then maybe that's an advantage for the Saints having try to taste him out there and, and not giving the Chiefs a, a, you know, a look at the season, a look in the season. So at that offense, I think we're going to move into uh, some defense here. And uh, Delvin is a uh, you know, former cornerback. I feel like this is, this is definitely your wheelhouse here. Heading into this, heading into the weekend, the Saints were uh, held the number one uh, defense, excuse me, defense in the league. Uh, and now uh, everything has changed. Uh, not everything, but there's definitely some concerns that were raised. Uh, like Maddie had pointed out earlier, this our vaunted defensive line uh, could not get to Jalen Hurts. Their offensive line, who was on the, you say, 11th rotation, Maddie, yeah. totally held up against you know, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, right? These guys that have just solidified themselves as, uh, you know, monsters this year. Where did it all go wrong? Delvin, when you were watching the game, what did you notice? What, what was the issue? What changed from weeks five through 10 or five through, uh, you know, 13, sorry. And then, and then this week. You know, it was it was the lack of, lack of effort for me. You know, I, I I saw you know maybe a handful of guys out there really giving effort. You know, shout out to Trey Hendrickson. You know, his motor. You know, he, even though he gave up some outside containment on a couple of runs, but his motor, he was still tracking down Jalen Hurts no matter what. 
So, you know, and, 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 and shout out to Jenkins. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins had a really, you know, he, he, he played really well. And, and I like this effort. But, but man, just the, the four guys, you know, rushing together, I, I don't think that game plan was, was solidified, man. Um, guys were out of lanes. You know, we even gave up a big run to Miles Sanders with an 82-yarder. So, you, you know, when, when guys want to do their own thing and not follow the game plan and not be gap, uh, gap sound, that's when things happen, right? You know, everybody wants to worry about, okay, what, what's the next jo- uh, guy's job? Just focus on your job. Stay and hold your gap integrity. You know, hold your inside leverage. Don't let the linebackers get climbed up on by the guards or the tackles. You have to just do your job. And that's what I saw. I saw a lack of effort and I saw a lack of, you know, guys doing their, doing their job. So um, as, as well, you saw the outcome. I think that's a good point about the lack of effort and it's it's kind of like mind-blowing almost because you know and we kind of will probably talk about him in a moment but people always criticize Lattimore for kind of not putting an effort unless it's Mike Evans but at, in the same at the same uh, note that that's kind of exactly what I would say the defense didn't do yesterday they looked lazy the coverage looked loose and it looked like one of those games where they were like, oh, I kind of missed the tackle. So I'm just going to hang back instead of try to kind of make this happen. And I just don't feel like they gave it a hundred percent. And I think that they did what they do a lot of the time, which is play down to their opponent and their opponent outclassed them. We hear about this a lot. And I, I'm, I'm really curious as to you know, how much truth is in this. The Saints are going against the Eagles who at the time were three, eight and one banged up O-line, the offense has been pretty much non-existent, and now there's a rookie backup quarterback who's starting. And the defense, the Saints defense, was number one in the league, couldn't be stopped. I mean, you could see on every single, you know, sports show out there about Saints defense, Saints defense. I'm just curious if, if that mentality, maybe they said, you know what, we don't have to prepare as much. We don't have to try as hard. These guys, this is gonna be a. This is gonna be a. We can just rely on talent instead of preparation. Is that something that like sometimes happens, Delvin? You know, like when you go into like these types of matchups. Man, listen to me. <laughs> you know what? Going through the week, man. Like, like I said, when we have scrub opponents, like when we know, like, man, we good. Like this is a game we're going to win no matter what. You know, we, we we do get lazy. Uh, we 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 relax during meetings. We relax during practice time. And, um, you know, I'm not outing nobody or nothing like that, but I'm just giving y'all a general statement as to how many locker rooms I've been in and what, what, what happens, right? When we play against lesser opponents, you know, we just seem to get lazy. You know, we're like, Oh, we got who this week? Man, we got it. We got a rookie quarterback in there, bro. We the number one defense. Why we're not going to let him just do this. And then we lose sight of. You know, you know, competition, right? Because those guys are coming out competing. You know, they, they, just because they three, eight, and one, those those guys are not going to lay down to you. And that's what that's what we, you know, we fail to realize. Like those guys are pros too. Those guys get paid as well. So we have to continue to keep grinding. We have to continue to hone in on film study. We have to put in an extra work doing during the week uh, practices of the week. So whenever we do come out on game time, regardless if they are a, a, a underdog or sad opponent, we still got to go out and dominate. I think another point, too, is normally a 3-8-1 and one team is out of playoff contention, but the Eagles aren't in their division. And most of the time when you're, you know, facing that kind of team in week 14, they might not be playing as lights out. But it, it's, it's kind of like when a team loses its head coach and they rally around the interim. 
in that same way, I kind of saw this Eagles team rallying around this rookie. And, you know, now they're, they're not that far behind in playoff contention. So I, I do think that we underestimated them entirely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of touching back, Maggie, you mentioned him earlier, Marshawn Lattimore, right? He's been a polarizing player in his time or during his tenure here with the Saints, right? He's played likes out. He's played uh, like he sometimes maybe didn't want to be on the field. Uh, and sometimes he's been, you know, consistent through stretch of the season and other times not. Uh, and last night I think was, um, I think particularly frust- frustrating for Saints fans watching because you had Eagles wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. He's been out, right, for uh, the majority of the season. Uh, with an injury people were wondering if he even was going to play this season and he came back a couple weeks ago pretty much non-existent and then kind of goes off you know and he's beating Lattimore I just think uh I I I don't know with uh with the salary cap uh gonna be dwindling down here about 175 million which is what he's projected at right now is Marshawn the the guy that you you prioritize and that you pay in this upcoming offseason I don't think so over guys like Ramchick, personally. I think if he was, you know, the sole victor of the 2017 draft class, it might be something else. I just feel like this season has been okay for him, but he really needed to have a great season after kind of, you know, falling backwards uh, from his rookie year. Uh, A lot of that has to do with injuries, but, you know, when it comes to paying people next season, uh, I think that, you know, the fact that Patrick Robinson has kind of been able to fill in for him a couple of games and play, you know, pretty well makes it kind of hard to justify, you know, paying him what we would pay him. I think that would certainly be a loss in our secondary, but I just don't think personally that his play this season has, has justified that. But Delvin, what do you think? Yeah. My thing is I wouldn't justify, you know, his playoff for one season. I mean, this guy was, you know, defensive rookie of the year. You know, this guy has, you know, he, he's had what two or three great years before. Um, and things happen, right? We're, we're corners, man. You know, you get beaten games, um, but you got to have those short term memories. And all we wanted from Lattimore this season was to be consistent. That's all we needed to be consistent so he can get the big payday, right? Just be consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the way, the, but the way he's playing is, it, it makes it hard. It, it it does make it hard when you come back looking at the cap and and like you say, you have guys like Ramcheck and, and and Marcus Williams who's starting to play tremendous, have to get paid. You know, it's it's gonna be tough, man. Um, like you say, I w- if he was the sole victor of the 2017 class, then I can say yes. But you know, he's been struggling, and um, like I say, I, I would I wouldn't give him the max bag. I, I would I would pay him a good bit, but not I wouldn't give him the max bag. Here's the yeah. thing, too: is do you think another team would pay him? that much absolutely absolutely he's look in other teams eyes you have to think you know they're looking like man he's the saints number one corner so yeah. if the saints let him go man we, somebody's gonna pay him the bag come on now marshall is, is he's, he's really good he's, yeah he's you're right the bag. he is really good and i think that just him going into the offseason you know or him going to free agency after this offseason it's just bad timing because you have yeah. covid you know, you have a cap situation that you're going to lose over $20 million on. Mm-hmm. The Saints are in the worst cap situation of any team right now being, was it like $96 million over the cap? And I know is, uh, you know, covering the Saints for however many years, I, Mickey Loomis and his <laughs> team always somehow figure out how to make it work, right? I think this year, 
they're going to have to figure it out. But I don't think that we're going to be able to, like you guys have been saying, give Marshawn that max bag. And I think if it weren't for COVID and we have a, you know, an ever-growing cap like we've seen the last, you know, over the last decade, mm-hmm. I think that you maybe find a way to pay Marshawn. You know, because like you said, Delvin, he was defensive uh, rookie defensive player of the year in 2017. He has had two or three good, consistent seasons. It's just unfortunate that his, you know, his prove it year is right ahead of a free agency period where there's not going to be enough dollars to go around. Yeah, it's just it'll be interesting to see uh, what we do here. All right, so uh, final little note here about the defense I wanted to talk about is our linebacking, uh, our linebackers here, right? So I know Maggie, she's a big DeMario Davis stan. Uh, and Quan Alexander, man, I think he's got to be one of the best uh, in-season free agency, uh, I mean, uh, in-season trades that the Saints have made uh, in a while. So, Delvin, what have, uh, what have your thoughts been on how DeMario Davis and Quan Alexander have partnered up? Man, they're like the Bash Brothers to me, man. <laughs> those guys out there playing, man. Uh, they, 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 those guys out there playing with their hair on fire, um, as my coaches would say. Um, they, they're dominant. I mean, you know, I, I don't see another uh, duo right now in the league that's that's playing, you know, better than these guys, even though we just picked up Quan. But he he he's he feel like he's been playing there week one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so – I, I love it. I, I love it. Those guys are playing tremendous. And yeah. like you said about the effort, I, I feel like even if uh, our yeah. defense has completely rolled over, Demario Davis is always playing <laughs> 110%. And I feel like him and Quan almost like feed off of each other in terms of their energy. It's just really exciting to watch. And, and Cade, like you mentioned that this is one of our best midseason trades. We pretty much got him for nothing because yeah. you know, we gave away a fifth rounder, and then Kiko Alonso failed the physical and isn't even on the 49ers. So we pretty much got a huge help on our defense for free. Right. Yeah. And, and kind of, we talked about before, right? Leadership. And I mm-hmm. feel like Demario Davis, leader on the field, leader off the field. I think he has been one of the most instrumental players to come onto this defense. And I think that's why you're kind of seeing a renaissance of sorts with this defense. Uh, and I think uh, DeMario has played a, a massive role in that. Um, and I just, other than maybe Drew Brees, I, I think that DeMario Davis has to be up there as one of the best free agent signings for the Saints of, in franchises. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's wrap this up, guys. So Saints are now 10-3. and three. Uh, Packers uh, retook the top seed in the NFC. They also uh, clinched the NFC North last night, uh, mm-hmm. something that the uh, the Saints were unable to do because the Bucks won and the Saints lost. So uh, NFC South is still up in the air. It's up for grabs. But right now, let's take a look at the playoff picture. A couple potential matchups. Uh, right now, we're slated to play the Cardinals on wild card weekend. They, uh, they're sitting at number seven. So Maggie, you and I have kind of talked about it offline a little bit, but what do you think if the Saints had to take on the Cardinals, uh, how do you think that would go? What, what are you kind of seeing out of that? Well, we played the D minus version of the Cardinals last night in terms of the, you know, Kyler Murray prototype. I had gone on a couple Eagles podcasts last week and we were trying to kind of compare Jalen Hurts to someone in the NFL and Kyler Murray was kind of the most adept comparison. Uh, We apparently have issues containing mobile quarterbacks. 
So that's very worrisome to me to have to match up in the playoffs against them. Uh, I, I would prefer to not face them or the Seahawks. Uh, and as much as the you know Rams are going to bring up a lot of memories, I just think that we match up better with pocket passers than you know guys that can kind of scramble around. I think that you know last not, last you know Sunday's game can kind of be chalked up to a fluke, but I, I don't know. He beat our whole pass rush, so that was just kind of alarming. Yeah, Delvin. So okay, I'm going to give you a couple teams here. All right. So Seahawks, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Vikings. If you had to face one of those four teams in the wild card weekend, which one are you choosing? You know what? I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor. I, I, I would like to face the best, you know, you knock the best out the way, you know, get, get, get them out the way if we can, which would be, I, I like to see out of Seahawks. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, no question, but, uh, it would have to be the Vikings, you know. Oh, I know, I know, but we have to get them. We have to. Um, that, but that's who I would. That's who I would see. Yeah. So actually, I I totally agree with you, Delvin. I would actually love to see the Vikings again because you're not. I I say this, knock on wood, yes, right? Yeah. Like, are you gonna lose three times? You know, to the Vikings in the playoffs and like, <laughs> you know, almost as many years, right? That's just why, like, I don't want to see the Buccaneers. I don't want to play. I don't want the Saints playing the Buccaneers mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You got to beat, nope. got to beat a team. You got to beat Tom Brady three <laughs> times in one season. Yeah, I would rather put tough. my, yeah, I'd rather put my money on the Saints rematch against the Vikings. Uh, and plus, I mean, they, we match up well with them. They're going to run the ball. <laughs> We, you know, saying yeah, the, the yeah, they stopped the run. Uh, you know, we watched it last night or yesterday afternoon. Um, I just, I just think that they've got a lot of holes. I think that they're probably going to make the playoffs. And uh, I, I, I'm like you, Dylan. I'd love to see them. Question on on the Vikings game. If if you think that, um, like you know, we played them last time and our interior line absolutely collapsed, and and Drew just couldn't be effective back there. And you know, a lot of the fan take was put Taysom in more. You know, why didn't Sean use him more? Uh, do you think that given, you know, that Taysom has, you know, started four games and we do end up playing the Vikings, if that same thing kind of happens, do you think that the Saints kind of put it more on Taysom? Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely, because he's proven, right? That's what I said earlier. We, we need, just need more experience um, in, 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 in actual game film, right? So, um, yeah, I think we, I think Sean Payton would lean more on, on, on Taysom. Uh, given his abilities with what he can do um, as being a powerful runner. You know, he can, like, teams, you don't know what to pre- prepare for with Taysom, right? Um, he can run or he can throw, so. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that, too, because, you know, last season there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there wasn't a, a large sample size as far as what Taysom was good at and what he was capable of. We've now got four, maybe five games that, we're going to see, and Delvin, you talked about this at the very beginning of the podcast, what Taysom is good at, what he's successful at. And so, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to run Taysom out there and start him against the Vikings, but you might wrinkle in some plays with Taysom or maybe more, maybe, you know, 30% of the offensive snaps are going to go up to Taysom. And you're going to run the plays that Taysom is comfortable with and that he's successful at. And I think that, you know, maybe you do that throughout the course of the playoffs anyways because you do have that ability so uh Taysom is definitely a uh 
is definitely a, a lethal weapon to have on the team, regardless of, of who's starting a quarterback. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Believing Saints podcast. Uh, Maggie and I will be back on Friday morning with you guys, uh, giving you a preview of the Chiefs game uh, that will take place on Sunday afternoon. And you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Cade Kistner. And I'm at Maddie Hudak underscore nine four. And I'm at Brochel twenty four. All right. Thanks, guys. See you Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.